tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Tonight, less than 24 hours to show down in Parliament of a Chief Justice nominee. A Supreme Court finally publishes full judgment on the James Duchequesen case. So will the NDC minority back down from their earlier position to block Justice Tokodu's approval? I have given hundreds of judgments from high court till now. And I think that it would have been a really great relief to know that I am assessed on my work as a whole. Well, it's now less than 24 hours to this showdown in Parliament tomorrow morning over Justice Gertrude Tokoni's nomination. She had been vetted by Parliament's Appointments Committee, but the minority had served notice they will be forced to block her approval unless they get the fully published judgment on James Duchequesen. Well, today, the Supreme Court finally published that full judgment and the NDC uh, position. We understand the party is currently meeting. In fact, the minority side have been reviewing the full details in this particular document and are set to announce their position tomorrow at the press conference. But that has thrown up a few questions that will be interrogating tonight but the Supreme Court in its uh, recent judgment on this James Jatukwesen case that we have been uh, reading over the last few hours says citizenship means allegiance. One of the controversial points that the NDC had been pointing out that the court says by not having received the certificate showing renunciation of his Canadian citizenship at the time of filing his nomination form it means he was not qualified at the time he stood 
for the elections and at the time he was declared elected uh, member of parliament for the Asin North constituency. The minority in parliament has already served notice of vetting of uh, Chief Justice nominee uh, Justice Gertrude Tokonu will not be completed unless they have access to this judgment. That judgment is out now and uh, we'll be getting the first word from the NDC's legal team. They've been uh, reviewing this document and we believe now from uh, our sources that a position uh, is about to be firmed up. But first of all, uh, since this judgment just became uh, public, uh, I want to bring in our legal affairs correspondent, uh, Joseph Kable, uh, who has been studying it and, and joins us uh, with with details of this and 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 Joseph, it's a, it makes for some fascinating reading. A few controversial points we knew that the Supreme Court justices will have to consider. The first one that came up was whether the Supreme Court itself had the jurisdiction to look at this matter because the plaintiff has uh, the the defendant in the matter had argued that uh, it, as far as this case is concerned, it really boiled out. Uh, to something around an election petition, which is the preserve of the High Court. How did the Supreme Court decide on that matter? And so that is dealt with at page 19 of the judgment, and the court says that we are afraid that the first defendant, that is James Jachikwesen, misses the very obvious difference between the suit held by the High Court in Cape Coast and the present action. What this court has been called to do is to interpret and enforce Article 94 a with regard to the qualification of James Jachikwesen to become and remain a member of parliament. You know, the NDC had made reference to a litany of cases that the court had decided. The court says that in all the decided cases of this court referred to by the counsel for the first defendant, which dealt with procedure provided in the rules for performing an act or the court with proper jurisdiction for hearing and dealing with parliamentary election disputes, this court did not find any court act or omission end quote, on the part of any person which warranted the invocation of its original interpretative jurisdiction. And so it makes reference to cases such as Yabwa versus J.H. Mensah, which uh, that statement that was issued by James Jatikwesi, he made reference to. There's also the case of Republic versus High Court, Koforidua, Ex-Party, um, Baba Jamal and others, among other cases. The court says, on the other hand, it has also been the settled position of this court that it is not precluded from engaging in its exclusive jurisdiction to interpret and enforce the provisions of the constitution where that jurisdiction arises under article 2.1 and article 131 even if there is within the same course of action a concurrent jurisdiction of the high court to settle the validity of an election under article 99 of the constitution and the court uh, makes reference to the case of npp versus ndc and also the ex-party zaneto case so that's one of the key issues that the Supreme Court had to deal with. And then there's a substantively controversial matter of the distinction between citizenship and allegiance. I know that James Atukwese at the court had created this distinction. Yes, he was a citizen of Ghana. He had filed to renounce his uh, citizenship of Canada. And the question was, uh, did he owe allegiance at the time to Canada or to Ghana? How did the Supreme Court settle this matter? In fact, the court made reference to a case in which it had decided in 2012, the case of uh, Stephen, Professor Stephen Kwekwasari versus Attorney General, and the court reproduces portions of the judgment where Justice Atuguba stated, and I quote, I would therefore hold that the impugned provisions are intended to protect the interests of Ghana as far as crucial loyalty to Ghana is concerned. The Supreme Court says, 
we have taken note that trouble to set out these words to show that as far back as 2012, this court was very clear that citizenship was bound up with loyalty to the state and allegiance to it. There is therefore no ambiguity when Article 94.2a refers to owing allegiance to a country other than Ghana. In Asari versus the Attorney General, the court assumed the words to mean being a citizen of a country other than Ghana. Citizenship and allegiance are bound up in the same spirit. The evidence that citizenship and allegiance are bound together is seen in the language used by the legislature in the Citizenship Act 2000, that is Act 591. Section 8 states clearly that a person shall not be registered as a citizen unless that person has taken the oath of allegiance. In the case of naturalization, Section 13 provides as follows, and the court puts emphasis that a person to whom a certificate of naturalization is granted under subsection 1 shall take the oath of allegiance and become a citizen by naturalization from the date on which the oath of allegiance is taken. And so the court makes reference to Great Britain and says that its position is not any different from that of Ghana. So its conclusion, and, and it says here in terms of the conclusion, is that they clarify the direction that on allegiance within Article 94 a of the 1992 Constitution, and the court says that they are bound together, and so they cannot be differenti differentiated as different concepts. And, and that, that is really critical as far as this uh, judgment is concerned. And then there was the uh, other controversy around when James Atsukwesi received his certificate of renunciation and, and when uh, that certificate kicks in in terms of whether or not you can qualify and be you know, decide to stand as an, an MP. James Atsukwesi has always maintained that he received that certificate before the polls. But the Supreme Court says it's not the, the polls that matter, something else. Yes, in fact, the court did indicate first and foremost that on the issue of the effect of the renunciation certificate says citizenship is determined by law and the regulatory mechanisms of states. It is not a valid legal submission that a unilateral statement of renunciation of citizenship of another country should be recognized as severance of allegiance from that country. The court goes on to say that if that were possible, it means that persons who have complied with stringent conditions and borne considerable cost to become citizens of Ghana or another country could simply throw affidavits or declarations at the state and deem themselves divested of citizenship if they find a reason to quickly remove the burden of that citizenship from themselves of changed needs. There would be no need for the certificate of renunciation issued by the Canadian authorities to take effect from 26th November 2020. In the same way that obtaining of alternate citizenship is done through the due process and by legal means, we are satisfied that without a legal record granted by the state that conferred the alternate citizenship, persons who present themselves as having renounced their alternate citizenship cannot be accepted as having done so unless they show an official record stating so from the alternate state. To accept such a proposition will make a mockery of the weight that Ghana and states place on a grant of citizenship. And so the court proceeded to come to the conclusion that the time for the checking of this particular 94-2A requirement, the court made reference to its case in the expertise Zanetto case to make the point that in that particular matter, I decided that the time to check for when a person is a registered voter is at the time that the person files the nomination. And so the court says for the 94-2A, i.e. whether or not the person owes allegiance to a country other than Ghana, 
should be checked at the time when a person files for the nomination. And so even though he had received his renunciation certificate after uh, that he had filed his nomination form, it meant that he was not eligible by virtue of the fact that when he filed his nomination, he owed allegiance to a country other than Ghana. And so by that virtue, it meant that he was not qualified at the time he filed his nomination. He was not qualified at the time he was elected and he was not qualified at the time he was declared elected as well. Bottom line, at the time you file, you must be in possession of that valid certificate of renunciation. Yes, Evans. And he wasn't in possession of that valid certificate. He had just indicated an intention, renounced, but in absence of that, you are disqualified to contest. There's a bottom line there that the Supreme Court uh, had indicated. Joseph, thank you very much. And that's uh, uh, just a, a brief of the of the detailed judgment on this uh, very interesting uh, James Achiquasing uh, case, which the NDC I know has been studying. The legal team has been studying. We'll get the the opposition on this uh, pretty shortly when we are joined by Abraham Amaleba. Uh, but remember, the Parliament resumes tomorrow, and uh, the minority leadership they've told us that they are they've uh, called a press conference tomorrow morning. Uh, by which time do we have a concrete position on this matter? Remember that uh, when uh, Justice uh, Getu Tokono appeared before the uh, appointments committee, the minority side were clear that because the, the Supreme Court had not released the full judgment yet, they will block her nomination unless they get the judgment. Then the judgment has been released today before uh, the House considers uh, whether to approve or not on the back of the recommendation from the Appointments Committee. And so we are good. we're going into tomorrow with a bit of uncertainty. Let's see if we can clarify that a bit more. I want to bring in now the uh, Chairman of the Appointments Committee. He is Joseph Osousu, and he joins us on the line right now. Mr. Osousu, thank you very much for your time here on Top Story. Thank you, too, for having me. So, can you please confirm if, indeed, you, you intend to put this report, your report, before the House for a decision tomorrow? Well, as to when the report will be put before the House, it's based on the program. And uh, there's a business committee which we schedule. But what I can assure you is that my report is ready. And this report, was it a report that was communicating a consensus position or a majority position? As at the time we were writing the report, it was a majority decision. But this afternoon, the chief whip has called me to say that the majority did not declare their intention whether they were uh, voting no or supporting her. But after they have received a copy of the uh, reasons given by the Supreme Court in respect of the Quay case, they have the uh, sorry Quayson case. They have decided to support a nomination, so the report should be uh, presented as a consensus report. This is the discussion I had with the chief with uh, around 4 p.m. today. And indeed, we recall in your statement, your main objection was was around the absence of the reasoned judgment, which is now available. Yes. So, so, yes, sir. They have now stated their position because at the time we met to consider the decision, they said they were not going to vote yes or no until they have uh, a copy of the report. But we couldn't let the 
conclusion abides that decision. So we recorded that as having voted no. But now they have received a, um, a copy of the report and they have called me to say they have voted no, which means that we can present the report as uh, she is recommended to the House by consensus. So this report will be amended, and what will come for consideration will be a consensus uh, position. That's right. Okay. Uh, th- this significantly paves the way for Justice Gertrude Tokono's approval, then? It changes how her approval will be done. If it was not by consensus, then the, our rule says that approval will be by a secret ballot. But if it is by consensus, then approval is by a voice vote. And so it changes how the approval will be done. So this is a matter of procedure now. Um, once this comes before the House, we expect um, a voice vote, I, I believe. Exactly. And I know um, in the interim since the, the vetting and now, um, there's been a lot of, I guess, a lot of uncertainty. Uh, this obviously tonight clarifies this and takes out the, the uncertainty uh, surrounding uh, Justice Gertrude Tokonu's work. Um, and, and you expect um, then there's no clarity on, on the timelines for this because I know there is a vacuum now because you have an acting CJ. Um, you, you, you're resuming tomorrow. Do you fairly, can you fairly assume when you expect this? to be firmed up for the president to, to swear, swear her in? Well, the first thing is that the House must approve her nomination. And even on that, I can't give a firm date because uh, whatever I say will be speculation. The business committee, I'm told, will meet tomorrow morning. So if the business committee schedule that it be, um, the report be filed and taken tomorrow, it will be. If they schedule another day, it will be on that day that it will be taken. Whatever I say will be speculative and uh, i'm not a member of the business committee so i can't even uh, begin to dream how they will program for the day and i know you also double as the first uh, you know deputy speaker of parliament um this but you're resuming tomorrow do you expect a, a busy meeting of parliament now um, frankly, uh, everything I say will be speculative. Uh, the business committee is composed of the leadership of the House, both sides. Sometimes they decide that on the first day we do light business. Sometimes they decide that once we are there, there's a full business. But I hope that uh, there will not be a big agenda for tomorrow, other than probably the confirmation of the report or adoption of the report of the uh, Appointments Committee respect of the Chief Justice. Thank you very much, Mr. Joe Usu. My pleasure. And that is the Chairman of the Appointments Committee of Parliament. He's also the first Deputy Speaker of Parliament there, confirming to us tonight that in the last uh, couple of hours or today, uh, the minority side have called him to amend the report, the Appointments Committee report, from one that was originally a majority uh, position, a majority recommendation for approval to one that is consensus based on their receipt of the reasoned judgment. I want to bring in the Director of Legal Affairs for the uh, NDC, uh, Abraham Maliba, joins us now. Mr. Maliba, thank you for your time here on Top Story. Thank you for having me. I believe you heard the Chairman of the Appointments Committee, um, and I know your team, you've been reviewing this reasoned judgment which was published today. Uh, I believe you've you've had a copy. You've looked at it. What's the decision now? 
Well, I can inform you that uh, as of last Friday, we had filed for extension of time to enable us to have the full complement of the 30 days within which we can ask for a review of the decision of the Supreme Court. So that, that, that application was filed last Friday. Now, when you come back to the ruling itself, as uh, published today, it is mind-boggling that um, the court failed to address Section 21D of PNC Law 284, which is to the effect that the court would only annul the elections of a person if he or she was not qualified at the time of election, non-nomination. So the question is, why did the Supreme Court fail to address Section 21D? The Supreme Court and was using the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. And the Constitution does not tell you when the time is fixed. There's nowhere in the in the Constitution that says the time is fixed at nomination. But the Supreme Court, the 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 the, the, the Constitution is clear that you cannot be qualified to run as a member of Parliament if you owe allegiance to any other country. And yes. they've interpreted that to mean citizenship is the same as allegiance. Now you are jumping to it. You are talking about how did they determine, how did the Supreme Court, I'm talking about how the Supreme Court came to the determination that the time for qualification is at nomination. What they did was to take a Zenatot case. And Zenatot case was made or given at a time when the Supreme Court did not avert its mind to Section 21D of the PNH Law 284. So when the, the defendant, the first defendant, the adjudicator's lawyers, raised the issue of Section 21D, PNC Law 284, I expected the Supreme Court to analyze it and then deal with it and then say that notwithstanding that, we think that the time for nomination, uh, the time for election uh, qualification is nomination. But, so, they, but they were clear today. And, and, and again, they were referencing the the uh, the... The, the constitution of this republic that you you qualify you as at the time of filing that is when the question about your eligibility becomes relevant and i'm saying to you that there's a law that says that that determination should be done at the time of election election section 20 of the law 284 said that and i'm asking the question why did the supreme court fail to analyze that in ex-party national lotteries, this is what Jesse Ratubwa said. Courts are servants of the legislature and must give effect to the expert provisions of the statute unless there's a strong policy reason why that should not be done. So my question is, why did the Supreme Court fail to do that uh, analysis or give effect to Section 21G of PNC law? Because they were convinced by the Zanato case. Which was which which was uh, used by the plaintiffs in this matter, and the the court also decided on that. And I'm saying to you that in the Zenata case, there was no avenue or the Supreme Court's attention was not was not directed at Section 20 of the PLDC law. Now that there is this opportunity, where the Section 20D 1D has been reference, it is only proper for Jessica Tugba that the courts should give effect to 
uh, statutes unless there's a strong policy reason not to do so. So my question still remains. Why is it that in this one, when your attention was drawn to Section 21G, you didn't analyze and dealt with it for us to know the stand of that, that, that law? But this case turned on whether or not he owed allegiance to two countries or exclusively to Ghana. And in that and in that matter and in that matter, the Supreme Court is emphatic that he owed allegiance to two countries at the time of filing. Nobody said the Supreme Court is not was not emphatic in this ruling. We are saying that having been emphatic, what do you make of twenty one D? But that is that's not what the, this case turned on, is it? Say it again. This case really turned on the subject of allegiance and citizenship. And what time do you need to shed off those allegiance? That's the case in court. Though. Nobody says that. We have never said that the uh, question was not a dual citizen. But it is about the timing. Was he supposed to denounce before nomination period, or is he supposed to denounce at the time of elections, as per the PNC Law 284? That's the issue in court, from the lower court to the Supreme Court. I take it then that you've read it now. You still disagree with the court's reasoning. Particularly when that portion or that issue of the PNC Law 284, Section 20, has not been dealt by the, by the court. So what's the decision on that now? So I've just indicated to you that um, we filed for extension of time to enable us have the full complement of the 30 days. You know, the rules are that after a judgment, uh, addition of the Supreme Court, you have 30 days to file your, your review, if you so intend. But because this ruling has eaten into the 30 days, we filed on Friday for an extension of time to have us have a full complement of the 30 days to enable us, uh, if we so wish, to file a review. So you haven't taken the decision whether or not to review? No, that's this too early. This came around uh, 2 o'clock. We are yet to deal with that matter. But I'm just raising one of the issues that could be an issue before the review panel. And a, a quick uh, response then to what we heard from the chairman of the appointments committee who says he's received the call from the minority leadership now that they are okay with the Justice Tokonu's nomination being approved now that they've received the full judgment. Um, I, I, did you advise uh, the minority on this as well? And what do you make of that? They, they, seem, they seem happy at least now that the uh, publication of the full judgment is available. No, I'm director for the party. I'm not director for the minority group. So you had no role at all in the minority's own evaluation of the... I don't, I don't uh, advise the minority group. When then in the next 30 days should we expect a decision from the NDC on whether to uh, review or not? When next within the 30 days? When next within the next no, 30 this, days? No, the application must be heard first. Just the application for extension of time must be heard. I'm grateful. That's Abraham Maliba. He's the Director of Legal Affairs for the NDC. Uh, share your thoughts with me, 055-1111997. And Parliament resumes uh, tomorrow. We'll get our parliamentary correspondent to give us a sense of what to expect once the MPs return. Ever visited a shop, picked a whole basket of provisions, toiletries, and 